Hey everybody, welcome to the K Golasso podcast. The Gold Cup coverage crew is back. Heath Pierce, Jimmy Conrad, dozens of people are calling us the uh, one-two punch for Gold Cup coverage. Uh, I came up with that on the fly, but I'm, I've heard uh, <laughs> I tens, say, of, tens, of pe- was- tens of people, tens of people <laughs> have said that about us. Well, we I are was definitely- like, wait, <laughs> is it, was it your mom or is it my mom <laughs> yeah. that was saying that? Yeah, I don't know. She's My mom's got so many burner accounts, you just never know which <laughs> which one she's uh, which one she's commenting from. But uh, Jimmy Conran, how are we doing, man? We're entering the final phases, semifinals. We're going to preview this for, for everyone, we're going to start with Qatar versus the U.S. or U.S. versus Qatar uh, because it's a home match. And then uh, we're going to go to Mexico versus Canada. But uh, as you mentioned in the last one, wanted to get your thoughts right off the top here. Uh, the four teams that you think are most qualified for the semis? I would say, given their performances throughout the tournament, yes. I think Qatar have been excellent. I'll just start with them. 12 goals so far in four games. So they're averaging three goals a game. That's that's pretty good in my book. So they're clearly doing something right on that side of the ball. They also give up a lot of goals. So I think that's where the U.S. can take some advantage. I think the U.S., when we looked at this roster, if I talked to all the fans out there, they would have been pretty satisfied, I think, to get to the semifinal with a chance to get to the final. And that's where they are. And I think if they lose to Qatar, I think we'd be disappointed given that we should beat them. But this is where I think the expectation was. We have to, at the very least, get to the semifinals and then Mexico of course heavy favorites Canada I think this is where they set out to get to we need to get to the semifinals I thought they played very well against us they beat us back in 2019 for the first time in forever they beat Costa Rica in this one like they're starting to put their flag in the ground that they're going to be the third best team in this region behind us and Mexico but they've got a big tall test in this semifinal so yes to answer your question very shortly yes I do believe this is the best four that we're seeing and that's that's not like you don't really see that all the time in yeah. tournaments not all not always the best teams get to the semifinals yeah that's a, a great point but you you said something there jimmy that i i want to go back to and you said that i that that a lot of fans would have been happy just to see the u.s team reach a semifinal i was talking to after you and i did our our recap the other day i jumped on to max bredos's podcast mm-hmm. and he said the same thing he was just like I, I he was happy that the u.s reached the semifinals that if you stopped here that this would be a, a success and i was i i disagreed in the sense that i was like yeah, but why would the U.S. think that anything less than reaching a final against a Mexico team that I think is is a better team, why would we think that that's a success? Yeah, I get there's not experience, and we didn't know how they were going to roll out, and they haven't played particularly well for for most of the the tournament. But uh, do you think a semifinal is a is a success, a quote unquote success, or a a good kind of measurement? Well, I would say that prior to the tournament starting, and seeing the roster that we had. That was really like an easy expectation level to say we should get to the semifinals. And then from there, you know, all bets are off and then we'll see what happens. Now that we've seen how the tournament plays out and has played out and what we're capable of, and I think we're continuing to grow in certain ways with each passing game, then for us to lose to Qatar at this point, I think not necessarily would be a failure. That sounds pretty strong, but I would be disappointed. Because I feel like at this point, we should be able to get to the final. We know it's at stake. we got 90 minutes to book our ticket. And I think it'll be Mexico in the final waiting for us. That, that, that is such a huge opportunity for this group of players. And so I don't want them to miss out on that. So I would be very, very disappointed for them to lose out. But I don't want to take anything away from Qatar. I think it's going to be a tough match. And it's going to be a game that we haven't played an opponent like this. That is just all out attack. And I think that's going to be a nice test for us as well. So I'm kind of curious to see how this is going to go. But yeah, for, for on paper to start the tournament, 
semifinal was the, was the minimum expectation. I'd be satisfied with that. But now that we're here with the opportunity, 90 minutes away to play Mexico potentially, uh, yes, I'd be disappointed. So let me ask you this then. This, this Qatar team, I, I, was, I was watching the highlights of all their games so far, mm -hmm. and clearly they have some holes in their defense but they are really good in transition, right? And we talked about this throughout the tournament that these sloppy turnovers, we saw Acosta at times, we saw Busio at times, we saw Leggett at times, we saw against Canada, a, a lot of sloppy turnovers even, um, less so against Jamaica, but still these moments that we, 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 you and I talked about where you go, a good team is going to punish this side, right? And so I guess my first question is, what do you think is the, 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 the back line? Back three, back four, or I guess back five, back four. And uh, where do you see, I guess, the vulnerabilities in, in this side with the way that uh, Qatar have the ability to counterattack? I mean, if you go back again to their last game, three on three situation, one, two, three, like passes. Another goal where they started from the back line, release a ball, two passes in, and now they're in front of goal and they score. It's like pretty quick that they decide we're going to go to goal and they do it pretty efficiently with their runs. Yeah, so this is what I'll say, and I'll kind of speak about Qatar's perspective first. They've been arguably the most entertaining team in the tournament. I mean, anytime they're playing, I agree. I, I'm drawn to like what's going to happen in this game with Qatar, and they invite that. They they have a certain style, a certain aesthetic, and it's all hundred percent going forward. Now, formation wise, to talk about them first, they play that three center back, two wing backs, and so they do a very good job of of creating situations where they can take advantage of it all of a sudden they can overload one side and and that's going to be a big test i think if we go with the back four with shaq moore and sammy vines i thought jamaica would have done that if leon bailey had been healthy or had played you know him him being out there would have just caused a different or leon bailey in particular would have caused a different type of issues instead of problems for us and sammy vines in particular you're going to see that and you're going to see overlapping wingbacks in this one. And you're going to see the number six in particular, Hatim, has scored in three straight games. You got a, you got a player now in Hatim who, for Qatar, who makes those late runs, who will join the attack late, right? And now that's really going to fall on Acosta and the center backs to make sure they communicate and identify where he is and where he's going and where he's popping up. Because sometimes he'll, it's, it, he's joining the attack and trying to get on the end of crosses. Sometimes he's making a really late run. So you have to keep an eye on where he is, kind of Frank Lampard-esque, who's very uh, famous for those. Or maybe he's just shooting from distance. I mean, he can hurt you in a lot of different ways. And then you have a thief, a, a number 11, who will drop in into the midfield and try to combine with a team. And that's going to cause some issues and some communication. I think communication is going to solve a lot of issues against Qatar. But do we have those players to communicate? Are they ready to step up our young center backs and not only lead physically and potentially uh, in, in making plays and being re very reactive, but can we anticipate, can we put guys in good spots to, to put out fires before they start? That was some of the best advice I ever got from Richard Goff, who played in two world cups for Scotland, my rookie year in MLS. I asked him, Hey, what do you, do you have any advice for me? You know, I'll bright eyed and bushy tail. I'm in MLS now. I'm going to talk to a veteran, you know, he's just like, just put out fires before they start. And it didn't really make sense to me. But it was just doing those little things of communicating. But also, let's say a ball goes up over the top. He gave this as an example because it happened in a practice one time. Ball goes up over the top. And instead of just jogging to it, you don't have any pressure. He'd say, go sprint to it, get it under control, and maintain that kind of rhythm and pace. Don't slow down. And I really thought that was great, great advice. But ultimately, that's what our center backs need to hear as well. Like, 
you got to be professional. You got to got to be in charge. And I think that's going to really make or break whether we give up a goal or not, because we could argue Heath, we've should have given up a couple goals so far. We've only given up one, but it wasn't in the run of play. And we have not done that, but Jamaica had plenty of chances. Canada had plenty of chances. Haiti had a chance or two that they could have put away as well in the first game. So we're probably due to give up a goal against a team that scored 12 so far in this competition. So I'm giving you a little bit of a tip on um, how I'm leaning bet wise, but, but um, it's going to be a tough test for us in a way that we haven't been tested so far. Yeah. So I guess let's then switch to the, the U S side defensively and, and speak specifically about, about players. The upside is that Sands has been good. Robinson has been good and they, they seem to enjoy making plays in, in what could otherwise or what has otherwise felt like chaotic moments, right? And that's the thing mm -hmm. that I've really liked about them specifically in this tournament is the fact that they seem to embrace that chaos. Whereas typically or historically, uh, I always get nervous, uh, as I've said before, when we get pulled apart and now you've got a center back that's been pulled to the sideline, those two seem to be comfortable in those situations and having to put out those fires and knowing that, hey, for a brief moment, ever so often, I'm going to have to mark up one-on-one. -on -one. I'm going to have to get through a challenge. I'm going to have to delay, or I'm going to have to go out to the sideline and make a play. And they've done that so far. Again, Qatar are a better team than anyone that we've faced in, in terms of attacking so far. That's what I think anyway. Mm -hmm, Their attack mm -hmm. is dynamic. They're very pacey. They're creative in the fact that they know how to speed up the game. They can go one-on-one. -on -one. They have combination play. They come, you know, they, they, they combine well. They follow their passes. It just seems like, again, it's a, it's a well-oiled machine uh, in the attack. Um, I, and, I, I'll yeah. jump in and say also there's an intangible. They believe in themselves, right? You can see it in teams sometimes. There's this collective belief that they can accomplish things. And Qatar's got something to prove. They want to play as many meaningful games in this as possible. They want to get to the final to play against yeah. Mexico, against, you know, 80,000 people in Vegas. Like, they want that opportunity. And so there's going to be a bit of a hunger and desire here that I think, and you've said it a few times after each, in, in each recap, after each game, that we've seen that. We've seen that from the U.S., that, they're, that when, they're, when the game gets a little chippy, we've, we've raised our chippiness to, to match kind yeah. of the intensity of the game. And that's a good sign. Also, I should say to commend the boys that, we've have found ways to win games that maybe we didn't maybe deserve to lose, but could have been a draw and we're still kind of squeaking it out. So there's a lot to be, to be excited about with this particular group of players. But I do think to your point, Qatar, if we make those mistakes, very, very good at capitalizing and punishing you for those. If you could say one thing that you think has gotten better from this U S side up into the semifinal, uh, I'll, I'll give you mine first. Cause you, you just literally said it. Um, and that's literally their willingness to, to, to take what the game has given them. I'd say that's the one thing that I would say has gotten better as a group is like, at a minimum, we're going to scrap. At a minimum, we're going to fight. Uh, at a minimum, we're going to get a little more chippy when we have to. You're going to foul me. I'm going to kick you back. That type of thing is really the only thing that I can say. You take game one to, to the semifinals that has risen to the challenge uh there's been a number of things that i think ha haven't or from from a consistency standpoint that that has been on an a constant incline is that do you agree with that being the thing or is there one other thing that you think that the u.s has progressed better because you know uh, to put it into context getting to a semi like you want to get better every single game we've seen that mexico everybody's like oh <laughs> and then and then they've yeah. gotten better and better and better their rhythm has gotten better the way that they played the way that they're closing out games 
that's exactly what you want in the tournament. So for the U.S., is there anything else, or or do you agree with that? Uh, as as yeah, I, I'll just add on to it. I, I agree with it, and I'll add on to the fact that I think Greg Berhalter has actually done well in this tournament. I thought in this past game against Jamaica, he started a team we were all pretty happy with. I thought his subs were spot on. Zardes came on for DK when he maybe could have gone to Hoppy instead. He brought on Roldan for Ariola, and it just made a big difference, right? Mm -hmm. So he kind of pressed all the right buttons against Jamaica. I thought the formation was right. I thought the, the tactical change of making Acosta the six and not Busio because we got overrun in that, mm -hmm. that area of the field against Canada was really smart. So we're also seeing a bit of an evolution with Greg and this group of players. And I think that's only going to help us as we start to identify which ones can really give us maybe a boost in World Cup qualifying or in the World Cup itself as they kind of try to sneak onto the roster. I also liked in the Jamaica game, and I'll use that as an example, where there were times where Jamaica had a grip of the game. The first, you know, five, maybe five minutes of the first half where we were a little, we looked a little nervy. And then, and then the, the end of the first half, Jamaica started to get a little bit more control, had a lot of opportunities in the last 10 minutes. And then at halftime in the second half, we were in charge. And I'd like that. And we closed out the game and we got the goal that we needed. And we were on the front foot. We weren't sitting back on the back foot. So that was a nice sign of maturity, I think, to, to kind of uh, couple with what you were saying yeah. that, that I really appreciate about this team. And hopefully we can continue to uh, build off of that into the semifinal. Yeah. Okay. So let's, 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 let's go from there, Jimmy. We we've talked about what the U S has to do to stop Qatar. Now let's talk about what the U S has to do to actually beat Qatar. Right? So now we we've sort of embraced what Qatar can do well, how the U S is going to have to sort of uh, counteract that, but from a proactive standpoint, what do you want from the U S in order to break down this Qatar defense? Because they're, they're definitely vulnerable. Uh, but you just mentioned a few changes. Do you, do you want to keep uh, Ariola in? Do you want to have Roldan into that position? Do you keep your middle, your, your same three? Do you want DK or, or Zardes? These are because both of them, both Zardes and, and, and Roldan have proved that they got a chip on their shoulder. They think that they should be playing in these games. They contributed, but do you want to go back with the same lineup or do you want to make some changes? And, and, and how will those changes, I guess, help to better improve the chances that the U S beats Qatar? Did it just get like 10 degrees hotter in here? I feel like I'm on the hot seat. <laughs> yeah. so, so, I just so, wanted to chuck that out before you could chuck it at me, you know? Yeah, no, I get that. And I appreciate that. Can I host this one? And you can be <laughs> so, so Matt Turner in goal for sure. I think you start, stay with a 4-3-3. I think you keep the same back line. So I thought Shaq Moore, to your point, was very solid, right? And sometimes you just need good, solid performances from certain areas of the field. And if they give anything else, it's an added bonus. So I thought Shaq Moore and Sammy Vines, the outside backs. So still are, no Reggie Cannon. Still no no Reggie no, Cannon. No, no, no. I think Shaq you Moore You think has, this is Shaq Moore's spot ahead of Reggie Cannon at, at the, moment. the moment? Yeah, I think Reggie Cannon, unfortunately, his injury worked against him. Had he been healthy going into this yeah. one, I don't know if Shaq Moore gets the minutes. But now I think you got to roll with Shaq Moore. I don't think you take him out for Reggie Cannon. Unless you identify something in Qatar's defense or and or attack that you think that Reggie Cannon can take advantage of in a yeah. way that Shaq Moore can't. And I Which don't sucks, see by that. the way, because Reggie Cannon has been good when he comes on and he brings the different type of like calm and presence, especially late in games where he, you know, he, he, you could see that he's, he's been in these environments uh, before, but I agree with you. I don't know how you got into the national team, but I got into the national <laughs> team because people were hurt. So Danny Califf, Eddie Pope, anytime those guys were hurt, I got a chance to play. Uh, the reason they got to play in the World Cup is because Corey Gibbs got hurt. So you got to take advantage of your opportunities when I, they come. So fair play it, to Shaq Moore. I got into the national team because I was playing in, in, in Copenhagen and it was a short flight to, to Scotland for a game. They were like, <laughs> oh, this weird kid that's uh, been a pro. Is that for your first camp? Months. Yeah, that was my first camp. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Came I in for Beasley, game. who was my, who was my hero. It was kind of he wild. He scored. He scored um, that game too. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, was, uh, I, I came in the last 20 minutes as well. I think we were both super yeah. subs around the same time. Dude, by the way, so that was my first, I, I got to say, that was the first time, and I go back to this all the time because it's, it's burned into my head, um, is, is just how fast that game was when I came on where I was just mm. like, <gasps> and, and like, yeah, it came, yeah. you know, in the Danish league is pretty direct and, 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 and can be fast at times because again, as the level goes down, the, the speed of the game can right. tend to go up. And, and I thought that I, and, but I was like breathing so hard. I came in at left midfield and I was like, dude, I can't breathe out here. There's no time <laughs> on the ball. Why don't they just drop off? Uh, and that was the first time I experienced like the international game, no matter how it looks from TV, when you watch from TV, you go, wow, I could easily play. In yeah. That space there's tight but just the quality gets better the speed of the game gets better and and it just brings out the usually the best in in, in players and forces them to really be at their best anyway sorry i had no i know that game was 1-1 u.s scotland at hampton park it was a, an amazing experience but i uh but i agree with you and what's funny at the international level just to just to tack on a little bit and then i'll get back to the lineup i will say that the game moves so fast you almost don't even have time to be tired you don't even have time to think about being tired because you're like, oh my God, I got to keep it and keep, either keep it or I got to defend again. It's so wild that I missed it. I miss playing at that level. Anyway, back to the starting lineup, James Sands and Miles Robinson, for sure. I think Miles Robinson has done very, very well this tournament. If he continues this upward trajectory, I expect him to be part of our World Cup qualifying moving forward. I could say the same about James Sands, who has a different skill set and is very good at passing uh, from those positions. And I think that's a uh, um, uh, quality that we we admire and, and most national teams do. I think you stay with Kellen Acosta as the six, Bustio and Leggett. I think everything stays. That back eight ultimately stays the same. The question marks are up top. Uh, Hoppy's obviously going to get another start after scoring the game winner and obviously being dangerous and getting some good opportunities against Jamaica. Daryl DK, I thought, was a little quiet given his standards. I don't know if we gave him the service that he needed to be uh, as effective as he can be. And I think that Jamaica actually defended him quite well and tried to stack him up. So we have to take all that into consideration. It's going to be hard, I think, because Zardes came in against the entire Jamaica team at that point because we were in control of the second half. And we started to play a little bit more on the front foot and taking more initiative in different areas with the with the injection of or insertion of, uh, well, injection of energy, insertion of Christian Roldan and Jossie Zardes. So it's hard. you got to take that into consideration. Zardes, I think, would have ran, ran into a lot of the same issues. Mm -hmm. My question then is, I think, I think you stick with DK. I think you do. And I think you give him a chance to, to at least 45 minutes and then maybe bring on Zardes again as a super sub to go out there and win it. But that, that's where, given how Busio played against Canada and, and Greg still stuck with him, when he wasn't in effect, as effective as we, can, as we know he can be, I think there would be something about rolling out DK one more time. Hey man, this is going to be, let, let's own it this time. Let's, you know, you got to have a little bit more of an impact. We got to see you a little bit more often. And you said the way that, how are we going to be Qatar? We have to have good hold up play. So whether he's running the channels and we can win the second ball from there, or whether he's actually holding the ball up with his back to goal, that has to happen. And I think he can do that better than Zardes, but we have to make sure that he can and, and puts himself in positions to, to do that. So that's going to be really important. And then on the other side, I think that Ariola was pretty off the pace that I would actually consider making that my one big change, uh, yeah. bringing in Roldan instead of Ariola. Yeah, I agree with you. Uh, you know, I, I think it's funny. If you look back at the, at the national team, outside of us complaining about every player on every position in the national team. <laughs> Who does that? We do that? Or is that Twitter? Soccer I don't say Twitter. we. I don't say we. I say we <laughs> as a soccer country. Um, we as a nation. Um, but it, the things we've always complained about are – Josie Altador not involved in hold up play. You know, we're not getting him involved. Brian Ching, Connor Casey. Uh, uh, we've got um, 
we've got now Brian McBride. Uh, McBride. We got we've got DK. We've we've now we've now got uh, Zardes was a complaint for a long time in terms of that, and that's a system problem, right? If you look at it, it's not just that we've had Sergeant. It's we have this inability right now to create this link up play, and I'm excited. And I don't. I'm not. I'm, I'm going to keep this brief. But the quality of players that we have now around the top of the box, you know, if you can get if you can get Gio Reyna closer, if you can get Pulisic mm-hmm. closer to that striker, they start to create a more uh, effective sort of combination play. But but we've always sort of lacked that, and it always falls on this single striker up top on an island. And some players have done it better. I go back to a Brian Ching example, who's literally just bodying up, drawing fouls, scrapping, first line of defense, that sort of thing where they create these intangibles that are going to help the team. But then we still lack in this ability to sort of link up and have this person that like, I feed them the ball and we can all get up underneath and we can create mm-hmm, some mm-hmm, creative mm-hmm. movements and they have little darting diagonal runs. You know, you saw that from a Clint Dempsey at times, uh, things like that. But from a traditional striker, a, a true number nine, that's something we've always lacked. And I think that we've done as, as, as a national team, always a disservice for that player up there. Um, and it's not just been like, oh, we've never had a good enough striker because, you know, Josie to whoever have done incredible things for the national team, including Zardes. But there, you know, I, I think we've never really done them any, any sort of uh, justice. So I'm, I, I guess what I'm saying is, is keep DK and, and try to solve those problems. Put it on other players to get him involved and less so him for his one touch every 15 minutes to make sure he holds it up and, 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 and does whatever. And then same thing with Rodon. I think he brought an energy that looked like a chip, right? When I saw him come in, I was like, that's a chip on his shoulder. That's a, hey, I'm going to take these minutes and I'm going to prove myself that I should be in this lineup. I don't think he was great earlier in the tournament in his uh, start, but this was one where I was like, I think he bounced back from that and is bringing in energy and isn't going to throw off the whole balance by switching him out for Ariola, who clearly looks like he's still coming back from injury and didn't have the impact that I wanted. Uh, but Jimmy, closing thoughts on, 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 on this US, U.S. team. I think that we're going to do the business. I think it's going to be really important from what you're talking about with regard to DK to kind of pin Qatar back. So if they are going to win the ball, man, make them win at 70, 80 yards away from our goal. Don't allow them to pick up the ball, you know, at midfield or whatever. Now we're a little bit vulnerable because we give up a ball in a bad spot. And we've shown a bit of a tendency with that at times. Busio, Acosta, Legette, they're all been guilty of it, whoever's in the midfield. So we have to be pretty – I don't want us to lose – that, that uh, swashbuckling feel of like, I still want you to be confident making passes and trying to break lines. I don't want us to all of a sudden be the 10 freeway, right? And go side to side, east to west and just play very conservative. That's not what I want to see. But it's being really thoughtful about when to, when to make those passes forward and hopefully DK can allow us to, to transition in a meaningful way. And I think Roldan actually does an excellent job of pinching in. So he might be able to create those numerical advantages in midfield as well and create an outlet for us to break some of the guitar press. But uh, I like us to win. So I'll get you guys a quick betting angle. I like us to win and both teams to score. I know we've only given up one goal and it hasn't been in the run of play, but I can't deny what Qatar has done. 12 goals in four games is ridiculous. So U.S. to win and both teams to score is plus 320. Now, I know my heart's in there a little bit, so I'm not completely going with my head here, but I just think that the U.S. are going to figure out a way to win this game. I think they're going to stifle uh, Qatar in a way that, that Qatar hasn't seen a team like the U.S. yet, right? Everybody's kind of played them as open as they want, and I think the U.S. are going to play it a little bit different. So I could see a 2-1 here. But uh, I think that's pretty good value, plus 320. I like it. All right. Listen, uh, Keiko Lasso fam, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to talk Mexico contra Canada and the other semifinal. We'll be right back. Knowing how to speak and understand a new language can be an invaluable tool when traveling, meeting new friends, or just even to master a new skill. 
But it's not always simple when you're bogged down by textbooks and structure classes. That's why so many people trust Rosetta Stone. Rosetta Stone is the most trusted language learning program available on desktop or as an app. It truly immerses you in the language you want to learn, like Spanish, French, Italian, Chinese, and more. You won't just be studying English translations. The Rosetta Stone intuitive process helps you pick up a language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com rs10. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com rs10 today. Hey, I'm Brett Podolsky co-founder of The Farmer's Dog. We make fresh food for dogs. We started the company when we saw what a huge difference it made in my own dog, Jada, when she stopped eating ultra-processed kibble and started eating fresh, whole food. The Farmer's Dog food isn't fancy. It's just real food delivered to your door in pre-portioned packs. It's better for them and easier for you. Get 50% off your first box at thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. That's thefarmersdog.com slash podcast. Welcome back, everybody. We are Heath Pierce, Jimmy Conrad, and we are doing the Gold Cup semifinal preview. We've been waiting for this, Jimmy. We've been waiting to see whose names we would say. Uh, and it is the U.S., it is Qatar, it is Canada, and it is Mexico. And Canada have now reached the semifinal for the first time since 2007, uh, Jimmy Conrad. And I've got to say, uh, they've looked good. A dominating performance against Costa Rica. Uh, they are completely uh, dismantled in terms of personnel and the team that they would like to roll out, but they're playing against a Mexico team who are what I would say the best team, best performing team, uh, maybe not the best attack that we've seen uh, in, in Qatar, but the best performing all around team in the tournament. So what are your initial thoughts on this uh, Mexico against Canada match? My initial thoughts are that Canada have not beaten Mexico since 2000. So I'm going to start there. Uh, <laughs> and they're missing. Hey, but in 2000, Canada won the gold cup after beating Mexico. So, you know, there might, there, there might be something to that. You're leaving they're, out they're, a very crucial stat. I am. But I, I mean, the fact that they haven't beaten Mexico in 21 years is, is quite remarkable. And Mexico just seemed to be playing well at the right time, but, but focusing on Canada, obviously we've talked about ad nauseum, all the players are missing Alfonso Davies, Jonathan, David, uh, Kyle Lahren is now out. He had two goals in the group stages. Uh, Akinola towards ACL. Uh, Cavallani is now out They're like four string striker who plays for the Vancouver Whitecaps, which actually speaks to the depth that Canada do have at their disposal. He's out due to a yellow card accumulation. Uh, Victoria, they're, they're one of their center, but their captain. He's their captain. There's one of their defenders is out. Mm -hmm. So due to yellow cards. So it's just, by the way, it's going to be a tall yellow order. Yellow cards suck. Yellow card, it, yellow know, card suspensions know, suck. I know. Uh, especially in the gold cup. And it's the only time I've ever thought about yellow cards is the gold cup because I remember being rested for a game because I had a yellow the one before and it was just like, it's not worth it. We want to get you to the quarterfinals. And, and just like this two in a row type of thing where you're just like, dude, this is a semifinal. Yeah. Like it's a yellow card, you know? know, like, and you can't have a guy play cautious for 90 minutes because he's going to miss the next match I, I i i've just always had an issue with that i i get the other side of uh, of the coin as well but yeah it just sucks to see canada go into this already depleted from injury and now have to miss a few players who who had to have to do a tactical foul in a match right yeah i agree with you on that it just it it's a bit of a shame that that rule exists i, I, I get why it exists but also it kind of hurts when we get there and you're like oh man it'd be kind of nice to see these players having or teams having their best players available in the biggest games 
I will say that I think Canada has an incredible team spirit. And we talk about belief with Qatar. Uh, Canada has it in spades as well. They, they have an identity that they bought into 100% from John Herdsman, their manager. They do very well at pressuring, collective pressuring. The problem is you have a Mexican national team that is also good at collective pressuring and also knowing how to play out of that collective pressure. And that is where I get a little fearful for Canada because you're running up against the best team in the region and they're good at keeping the ball and they're going to wear you down. So you can try to press, but at some point they're going to, they're going to, they're going to kill your soul. Like you just, you're going to just, I can't run. I don't want to chase these guys anymore. And also as we talk about all the top players that they're missing up top in particular for Canada, they need somebody to hold the ball up against Mexico. You need people that are out there that can hold the ball up, draw fouls. Like you said about Brian Ching and, and just take some air out of the game so you can actually breathe because Mexico is going to have probably close to 70% possession. I mean, that's just how they're set up in the four, three, three that Tata Martina likes to have. And their players are coming off a game where they finally kind of unlock things offensively scoring three goals in 12 minutes against Honduras. And, and that's going to give them a boost because that's where they've been criticized the most throughout this tournament is on the attacking side. Cause they haven't given up a goal yet. So I don't know where that goal is going to come from, from Canada. They have some players. Uh, Buchanan's incredible in 1v1 situations. Uh, I, I don't know how much longer he's going to be in MLS with the New England Revolution. Uh, you know, that's a, uh, how do you say his name? Estequau? Estequau? I was to, I don't know. He scored. I'm sorry. Yeah, I as you got the, the Portuguese player that they recruited, he could have played, yeah, played for yeah. the Portuguese, Portugal youth national teams, and they brought him in, and he's been great too. I honestly tried to practice that name, and I knew when the time came I was going to butcher it, and I, <laughs> and I apologize to him. But he had a goal and an assist in the last game. He wears the number seven. He's excellent on set pieces. He drops in a dime. So when I think about where Canada could potentially hurt Mexico, because we saw the U.S. hurt them on set pieces in the Nations League final, that could be an area where Canada could take take advantage. But that means they have to draw fouls in advantageous areas of the field. And I think that's going to be a bit of a struggle too. So this is going to be a tall, tall, tall test uh, for for tall order, I should say, and a big test for, for Canada to, to get a result in this. I think Mexico are too strong in almost every area of the field. And the fact that they're so good on the defensive side of the ball just makes it that much harder. Maybe Canada could eke out a 0-0, but even that I think is going to be too much because Mexico is just going to wear them down. Yeah. And this Mexico team, do you, do you think that this is a, a tough test for them? Is this a test that they can, like, just a – is this a routine win? Obviously, we're in a no. semifinal. There's going to be something that plays into this. And, again, I can't let uh, Coach Herdman's sort of – we're playing this like a cup final thing where they're actually close, getting close to a cup final um, – if they can get through this one, but they're approaching this very much like uh, from the very beginning for very first match of the tournament, this like kind of winner go home mentality. And do you think that it, it, Mexico is just too much or do you think this is going to, this is going to be close? I think it will be close. I think that when you don't have a striker up top, right. When you don't have your normal guns up top, the guys that, that you trust and, and know will, will play a certain way. Now you're, I feel like now Canada has to put players up top and hope they do well. We talk about it a lot. When you're putting in players in positions and hope they play well, it doesn't always work out. We can even use the Champions League final with Pep Guardiola. He hoped that Ilkay Gundogan could play CDM and that would be enough against Chelsea instead of just going with Fernandinho or Rodri, who you knew would play that position well because that's the position they normally play. So now you're actually asking a player who doesn't normally play in that position around guys that normally don't see that player up running up top and hope that he does well and that doesn't bode well. So I, I, I think when you, when you know if you're a herdsman here, the manager, 
if you know that you're not going to be as strong up top as you'd like, you're going to drop everybody back behind the ball ultimately. So I do think it's going to be tough for Mexico to break down this Canadian team who've been very stout defensively. And I could see this being a little bit more of a low scoring affair. Also because Mexico has had trouble scoring in this tournament against lesser opposition. So I kind of like it from a betting perspective. I'll just go there because this is it's kind of a nice one. Mexico to win and under two and a half goals is plus 225. I could see Mexico winning 1-0. Uh, and, and kind of just getting that one goal, kind of similar to how the U.S. got what they needed against Canada as well, just to kind of get the result and move on. And, and maybe you have the 2-0 there too, right, for under two and a half goals. Mexico to win and get a clean sheet, plus 128. I think Mexico are going to win. I think they're going to do it under two and a half goals. I don't see it being blown out by any stretch. So I like the 225 value a lot. Yeah, I'm just going to tack on to the end of that and, and say that I do think it'll also be a low-scoring affair. I think it also has to be a low-scoring affair if Canada want to have any chance, right? I think, mm-hmm, again, mm-hmm. this is a, a situation where maybe you get your half chance and you convert on an individual play from Canada. I think set pieces could be an important one where if you're not getting much in the run of play, can you draw a foul on the top of the box? Can you you know throw things into the mixer and, and, and try to create opportunities there? But as I mentioned in, 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 in the last podcast on the recap, if Mexico score, the most important thing that Canada can do is just stay composed. Do not yes. get caught up yeah. in the atmosphere. Again, we're talking about playing a match in Houston. Houston, Mexico is what that will be uh, <laughs> in that match, right? It will be an all-Mexico crowd. I don't know what the attendance uh, is allowed, uh, it, potentially a full crowd if they allow it. But either way, even if there was 10,000 Mexican fans in that stadium, it's going to be rocking. And that is a 12th man. And that will play into this. And, and I think it was great to see the U.S. get that experience in, in, in Denver to know what that crowd is like and to know that hostility and that feeling and feed off of it to compete. Canada can do the same thing. The longer they go, the more frustrated those Mexico fans will be if they can keep it at zeros. And if they give up that goal, the more that they can just deflate that energy that we talked about where they scored three in 12 minutes in their last game where they get this momentum and for a moment they just think they're invincible and if teams don't squash that they will run away and make it a very long day for you again i speak that uh with some ptsd of giving up a goal against <laughs> uh, after zero zero at halftime you give up a goal at the start of the second half and and they ran away and we got caught up in that energy of like oh my gosh we got to go get the ball back so one player steps out and another player steps out and you have this broken press instead of saying hey we've got time Let's be mm-hmm, smart. Mm-hmm. Let's get our let's get our one or two chances. Yeah, they're gonna have possession. They might even be at eighty percent possession if if you allow them, you know, or 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 beyond that. But let's just wait. Let's be patient. Let's wait till they shut off just for a moment and capitalize on that. And I think Mexico has. To, I mean, Canada has to have that same approach. I don't know. I know it's not going to be easy, and that's not to disrespect Canada in any way. But like, they don't have outside of Buchanan uh, a single threat that I think can can help to vertically advance the ball in a way that's going to make Mexico feel uncomfortable for long periods, right? They're going to have to create a moment of magic or a set piece or, or just hope that Mexico shuts off. And if they shut off, Canada is good enough to punish Mexico. That's, that's my thoughts on that. Yeah. Just to get into Canada really quick. uh, It it looked like the one sub that they made against Costa Rica up top is Tesho Akindeli who plays for Orlando city. He was a late call in. He was a late call in and he came in for junior Hoylet who scored the first goal. And that looked like their, their, first sub so he could be the one that's out there running and he he I I every time I watch him play there's something about him that that makes him unpredictable he's he can he can run the channels he can hold the ball up it's just a consistency with it sometimes you give him the ball and he'll lose it right away and sometimes he'll actually do something And, and and it's hard and I say this really quick if you have a player that that has inconsistency in holding the ball up 
if you're out wide, let's say you're a winger for Canada and the ball goes into Tesho and then all of a sudden he does something great. You're like, oh man, maybe I should have ran with more purpose. But, but, but you're so used to not knowing for sure whether he's going to hold it that you can't run with, with 100% certainty because you know that you'll, if you lose the ball, you got to go track Mexico who are you know, creating these triangles all over the place and making it really hard for you to, to track them down. And you're going to get tired quick. So whoever plays for Canada has to be very, very good at holding the ball up. Otherwise, they are, they're just not going to have the energy to go forward because uh, trying to chase uh, Mexico's passing is, is very difficult to do. I agree. Any closing thoughts on this, Jimmy? No, I wish Canada the best. I think they should be proud of what they've done so far in this tournament, but I think it's going to come to an end here. And to your point, I think they're going to get a lot of good experience. And I think that's only going to serve them well in World Cup qualifying. And I do, I'll put my flag in the ground now. I think they're going to qualify for the 2022 World Cup. That'll be the first time since 1986. I really like this group a lot. That's a strong vote of faith. I like that. Well, that's it for our Gold Cup semifinal preview. Heath Pierce, Jimmy Codrad, as always, we appreciate all of you that tune in and listen. You can catch this podcast on YouTube or wherever you listen to your podcast. And Jimmy and I will be back for a Gold Cup semifinal recap. And then we'll, of course, be previewing a final. We hope that the U.S. can get to that point. We hope that we can see a U.S.-Mexico final again. If not, maybe we get Canada, Jimmy. I'm saying the U.S. are going to go. But maybe we get Canada. Maybe we get, uh, maybe we get Mexico. I think Mexico are going to do it. But it would be nice to see that the U.S. try to go back against Canada and play better than they did the last time. I don't have time for maybes, everybody. Okay, U.S., Mexico, stamp it. Let's go. Let's party. Fair play to Canada and Qatar. Thank you for coming, but it's U.S., Mexico in the final. We all want it to happen.